Patreon exclusives. All right. This has been a long time coming. Mainly because so fake, yeah. of me. Yeah. No, because of me. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I've, because you take your time. I've basically. fallen. I've yeah. I do a shitty job of booking guests. Yeah. <laughs> no, you after don't. I, after I hounded you. No, I kept telling you like yes, come, and then I would like and two weeks be like yeah, you know, December twenty twenty three. So despite my terrible booking efforts, Stan Zimmerman is here with us in your bed. And, yes, and got, yes, he's okay. in bed with Richie and Wes. I love it. Cheers to that. Ooh. Cheers to that, indeed. Yeah. So that's Dave. Yes. So they can hear it. Yes, it's actually... Yes, yes. What wine is this? It's a... It is happening. It's a Pinot Grigio. Yeah, I love Pinot Well, here we all are, and if you are a regular listener to the show, you know that Richie Rich is obsessed with the Golden Girls. Obsessed. <laughs> yes. Yes, I And am. it just so happens that Stan was a writer on Golden Girls, Great. and... Roseanne and the Brady Gilmore Bunch movie, Girls, Brady Bunch movie, which Gilmore is Girls. actually funny. I was <laughs> just, <laughs> I was just randomly watching that oh movie God. three weeks ago after he said you're going to be on the show, yes. and I, it's just starting. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah I did that. Yeah, I hold on. That. <laughs> <laughs> that was a crazy. Movie. Yes. Uh, well, there's a lot of stories around that, and RuPaul, how RuPaul got in there. Oh god! Okay, no, no, I can't I'm, even start there. Like now, I'm extremely yeah. intrigued. Yes. Oh my gosh! Yeah, now I'm really curious. That was my doing. Oh, I was at the Revolver, having a little martini back in the day. Uh huh. We were casting. We were meeting a lot of black actors like Jennifer Lewis, and, mm-hmm. and um, <sighs> we were writing the guidance counselor, Miss Cummings. And uh, I'm sitting there having a martini, and all of a sudden, this new music video came on. Supermodel. <laughs> no. I'm like, wow. And I'm, I'm looking and I'm going in the haze of vodka and I'm going, wait a minute. And I came in the next day and I said, what if we cast this person? I just saw uh, this. And- oh, it didn't even have any background story or anything. You just, wow. Yeah. And the, it was only in gay clubs at that point yeah. I was playing. Mm-hmm. And so no one knew who RuPaul mm-hmm. was. And he came in and he met Betty Thomas, the director, and she's like, I'm going to cast him. And I happened to go on the set that day, and it was not in the script. At the end of that scene in the, in the guidance council, yes. are you pregnant, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I said, just have him say, uh, and, you know, girl, you better work. Mm-hmm. And she's like, why? I said, just, just do it. Just do it. Trust mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Like, just have it. Maybe, you know. <laughs> well, the song blew up. and then to That was perfect timing, actually, then. Chill, so that's good. And then she underscored the end of that scene with the song, his song. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And that was his first time. But for a major studio to yeah. put... A drag queen in a lead in a role like that, yeah, pretty. That's right in drag, in yes. Drag. And uh-huh. Don't yes. say anything about it, you know. Right. And then when we went through the sequel. They're like, "Oh, bad news, guys! I don't think we can put RuPaul in because it takes place during the summer." I said, "Wait a minute!" My head's like, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. They're at the pool. I'm literally pitching on the spot, and I said, "Moesha, Moesha, Moesha." Moesha. <laughs> I pitched that joke standing there, and they're like. She's in. And, um, and there we got her back in. So there you go. Isn't that crazy? Applaud you for that. That was <laughs> yes. perfect timing and genius. All, all melded into one. Thank the revolver for that. So. I love yeah. it. I love that story. That's amazing <laughs> because I think when I saw 
the Brady Bunch movie, was I was five, I was yes. aware yeah. of who RuPaul was. So I think I recognize, like, really? oh my god, they put RuPaul on this. Yeah. Movie. Oh, I even though I know she loves them to frack on her land, uh, <laughs> I have always been a really big RuPaul stand. I remember mm. when RuPaul first came on MTV. Because I was a country kid, we didn't have anything except MTV, basically. And I just the first time I saw her, I was like, What'd "Oh my think? god, who the fuck is, is this?" Like the personality, the mm-hmm. look, the message, about everything. That we yes. all wear drag. Yeah, it was such a beautiful, powerful message. Mm. And I didn't know that from. And she was always yeah. doing like everybody say love yeah. or yeah. that. Like she was really big on that. And I just thought, like, what a total like mind fuck for yeah. Middle America. Who's when the song blew up, a lot of people just thought RuPaul was. Yes. As she was on the, yes. you know, in the music video, and didn't realize Beautiful. they just Mom, weren't right. connecting. <laughs> Some of the audience did. Oh, sure. Yeah. Now, and then they wait a minute, what? Yeah, so. not this six foot eleven <laughs> <laughs> in heels, uh, black track. Well, I right. think if Paramount had really known, like at the, yeah. in the first movie, they're just like, yeah. take fifteen million, just go make the movie. Mm-hmm. They had no idea, and it really wasn't until the first screening, and Sherry Lansing was running the studio, and she was like. Oh, this is what you're doing. And then she finally got the humor because it was. Yeah. I mean, obviously there were there was gay. There was everything. Everything was, was yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was, I mean, drugs. It was everything. It yeah. Was, you know, so it was just fun and crazy. <laughs> One of the best jobs ever, because it I could use all parts of my brain and campy and and, yeah. and you know just pop culture well, craziness. Yeah. Job well done. Thank yes. you. Absolutely. Well, we have spoken many times on the show about Golden Girl. I mean, I mean, you still watch it before you go to bed every night. I, I do. I, why? I, why did it? Why did you? Why were you touched by it? I just have always loved the humor, and it reminded me of my own aunt and grandma, and because they were all very That's sarcastic true. and all very Southern women who were very quick witted, and everything was joking or poking fun at each other. But they all loved each other at the end of the day, which is always, you know, things that just drew me in initially. And then when I got older, knowing all the messages that it really pioneered on television that weren't talked about back then, a lot of deep issues, gay issues, cross-dressing. But (laughs) the weird thing is we were in the closet writing on the show. People are shocked when they hear that I... Because we were, it was season one. And Mm -hmm. back then, it was just like, we were told, like, from our agents and everybody... You have to bring a woman to any event from the show. You can't talk about being gay in the writer's room. So imagine going to work and not oh, being God. able to be yourself. <laughs> okay, wow. I so know. Let's just take a, first yeah, of all, let's take a step back to that. Yeah, because... so there's that. So I was living in that. And it was the time when AIDS was starting to happen. Mm-hmm. So, like, one thing that happened was they said, well, what did you, you know, you're sitting around at work, and what did you do over the weekend? I said, I was living in uh, Silver Lake, and I said, I went to a garage sale. And I got all these sweaters, and I said, you have to burn them. They're probably people that died of AIDS. You can't, you'll get sick. Yeah, so this was where we were then. Yeah, People didn't know. And I went, I didn't burn them, but I went, I threw them away, because I, we were scared and you think of like it's mis- it's misinformation COVID, and COVID, we were like yeah wiping down, i didn't well, wiping down bags and yeah know, every little thing oh my god my roommate was doing that i'm like yeah. you don't have to wipe down the i'd box. never really <laughs> <laughs> like the thing you want is inside the box yeah. <laughs> i was actually on you should do this uh, there's a golden girls fan cruise so <gasps> i in 
There is a what? Yeah, you you need to be on it. We're going out of Port Lauderdale January 3rd, and it's five days on a boat. It's called Golden Fans at Sea. He's yeah. Google along. We always Google, say that Google on the I'm show. Putting this along. So I'm my entire there. life revolves around my notes. Yeah, so, so I am... Rue McClanahan's sister goes on the cruise. <gasps> so we did two back-to-back cruises that became so popular uh, last February of 2020, right before the pandemic hit. So we were all on the cruise when it was starting to, like, going, what's going on? Yeah. Uh-huh. And the first time I ever saw one of those hand sanitizers thing, you, you put your hand oh, yeah, and get magic. Yeah. <laughs> how, did that, how did they know you are even there? Right. Like, how did you figure that one out? They were on that. Were they? Oh, yeah, they were. They were like... It's like, just wave, and poof, there I it is. Know, life is only that easy. Just, like, put it under there, and, like, money would come. Seriously. <laughs> soap. Um, it's not even soap. I don't know. Anyway, you need to come in that. It's super fun. Oh, that I'm so really down. Fun. That sounds amazing. And, and the fans are literally, like, I thought, oh, maybe they'll be, like, all older women. I'm very happy with that. Uh-huh. But it was young, old, gay, straight. All over. No, just how I said. I literally every night I fall asleep to Golden Girls just replaying. Like so, that's my background. Stories. That's my background music when I'm sleeping, literally. Yeah. And then when it pauses, I'm like, it's I wake very... up because it's silent. I'm like, yes, I still want to keep playing. Then it's a very comfortable place. Like, well, during COVID, like, I think you know it, them. it grew to another popularity because people wanted to just be home mm-hmm. like you felt yeah that's... yeah and it's safe i mean you know at the end of the episode they're going to resolve whatever happened exactly and yeah it is a place in time for sure but that's what i didn't like about it that mm. they started and ended each episode the same yeah. kind of whereas like roseanne they literally changed and people died and mm-hmm. she got that's different true. jobs and different things happened and they got married or moved out and golden girls was kind of which was different television back then was called evergreen mm-hmm. you probably know from your tv days where it's like you want an episode because they were played in syndication that they could play in any order yeah it doesn't matter or, oh, okay right. if you doesn't. see one from this season or that right, season which is because... why are you watching yeah whereas now when you think of tv most shows tell a story and mm-hmm. they are episodic and people are like going i can't wait till the episode eight and then they yeah. watch the next you know right yeah you couldn't have game of thrones and syndication where it's like episode seven from season two episode (laughs) it'd be a mind fuck yes it's probably needed but yeah yeah well that's so cool that you got to yeah have that experience i love that yeah which one are you oh god oh here we go i'm a little bit of blanche and a little bit of dorothy why because you're Uh, a slut (laughs) I'm not a slut. Like, tell it like it is. I, yeah, I'm, I'm very much a blunt person. Okay. And I have a dry sense of humor most times. Sometimes dark. And it works. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of B. Arthur? Like it. Oh, God. Amazing. Why? Why? She yelled at me once. What? She yelled at me once. She did? Did she? <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? Wow. I think you said me. I'm like, no, she didn't. She, yeah, now she, I'm like, no, no I want to know. She has trouble hearing, and she wasn't able to hear the questions that were being asked. And this was after Golden Girls was already over yeah. and all the stuff. So she was like, if you want me to answer a question, you're going to have to ask it a lot louder than that. So I was like, okay. <laughs> well. I love it. <laughs> what was she doing at that point? Was like, knock them in the middle? That kind of thing. Oh like, gosh, I think it was. She might have been sick at that time. I'm trying to think. Is she really thin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was really having trouble hearing. And she didn't tell anybody that she was sick. Mm-mm. Yeah. No, she I was. Just... I was scared of her. Really? 
But she was just sweet and, and... I mean, she didn't tell me to fuck off or anything. She uh, just yeah. said it in a That's way where it was like, yeah. look, I cannot fucking hear. So no, I just loved her. She really did remind me of my grandmother, first of all, because my grandmother is a very tall, statuesque woman who kind of commands attention and is very straight shooter, no fucking around. But she loved you at the end of the day. You knew that. But, you know, it was stop that. Go back over there right now. Why? Because I said so. <laughs> and, and also had a very deep, grovelly voice as well. So when you were watching it as a kid and you would see things like about the les- lesbian. Yeah. Like, did that start a conversation or you couldn't really talk about it then? No, no, none of that happened. It was just a cool way for me to see as a child just like things that were in my head that I really couldn't talk about being displayed. They were talking about. Yeah. They were all like going blah, blah, blah. And explaining yeah. questions that I might have had in my head and like, oh, that's what this means. Because they oh. didn't know either. Yeah. Remember, like, and then- uh, that's what I always liked about those situations was there was either all of them or at least one really wasn't in the right place with it because they hadn't figured it out yet. Mm-hmm. That made that relatable. That was the position that a lot of people are in when they're exposed to something like that is yeah. they don't know how to react to it because they just never even worked through that yet. Mm-hmm. So I did always like that on the I thought show. That was such a funny thing. kind of come around. When Blanche was like, she doesn't like me. That was so <laughs> right? funny. Because you didn't expect that. Like, I loved it. That was it. so smart of them to, to do now, that. When you were writing on the show, did you write for specific characters or did you write more of the arc of the show? Or like, how does that work? When how you're, does that work? And it, how does, uh, <laughs> He's like, I don't even know. Hey. Uh, no, you're doing every aspect of it. You're yeah. Obviously, you go off and you write a specific episode. So I wrote a bunch of ones that our names are on, but then you rewrite everybody's. You're okay. sitting in a you know a big room, you know the writer's room with a table, whatever mm-hmm. it's called, and then you're giving notes and saying, "I don't believe this joke or that line," and you you fix all that, or you you go down to rehearsal and you see it and you go, "Well, that didn't work." Mm-hmm. The different joke at the end of the scene, or different what they call a blow. Don't get any ideas. Uh, <laughs> uh, your mind goes many places with that. His ears perk up. It's the end, is an end of a scene. And so it's like, you know, usually like Sophia would leave the room and mm-hmm. be like on a joke. So they would say, my writing partner, Jim, Jim and Stan, go off and come back with five blow jokes for the end of, <laughs> the end of the, like, what? No, and it's the end like of calling for me. Yeah, well, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> uh, so then we go off to our room and have to come up with five jokes for mm-hmm. uh, a lot of those also were B. Arthur. Like come up with five jokes for B. Arthur. And I'd go to my room and go, You're like Jesus Christ. <laughs> first of all, we're writing for fucking B. Arthur. Like, yeah. how insane is that growing up with you know seeing Maud mm-hmm. and blah blah blah. blah all yeah, by stuff. the time she got on Golden Well, all of them really. All of and them. Yeah, they all had legendary Show. They were all here. legendary and already. Towards our trilogy on Broadway with Estelle, and and so we'd go, oh my god, and I'm not a funny writer. I don't think I'm myself as a joke mm-hmm. writer. And then, so then we came up with the idea of B. Arthur didn't have to have any lines. She could just what we called, and we wrote this. She shoots a look. Which <laughs> yep. <kind of> invented that. <laughs> You know, Dorothy shoots her a look. Uh-huh. And it would be like, ah, like a big laugh. Because you knew what she was thinking. Exactly, without her what saying anything at all. actor do you, can you think of that right. doesn't need a word? Yeah. <laughs> you know, B. Arthur would, like, give a look like that could kill, right? 
or just turn around real quick and yeah. stare. Oh my God, now that you <laughs> say that, I can think of all yes. those scenes where yeah, something will happen and she'll she look behind her back real quick. It saved us for coming up with words. <laughs> <laughs> like, done, you know, we're done. I love it. But Estelle did need a line, and and with for her it was like I, we always said it was like she was a star baseball player because mm-hmm. you would see her with these jokes and she would just like you would hear like the crack of the, uh. the bat and the ball and would go over the bat. Like, every joke she just knew the timing was yeah. so beautiful just and then she would leave the room so, but that's a difficult thing when you're suddenly in real life I feel like I can't leave a room now without a joke without doing yeah, something dramatic something. I know. Yeah. like that's you'll see when I leave her tonight I'm <laughs> I don't stumble. I do have to ask this question. Yeah, yes, okay. but I don't think anyone on our show has answered, nor do I have I've never seen anyone interviewed been asked this question. Uh-uh. I'm sure it's, I'm not inventing this up. I'm a but Libra. everyone <laughs> Well, there's that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> everyone always has a story about how an actor gets discovered, how a model gets discovered, how a musician gets discovered, but no one talks about the people behind the scenes. How did you get Hello. into writing? Uh, I always had crazy ideas growing up as a kid, but mm-hmm. I wasn't a reader, so I didn't think I could be a writer, and I was really bad in English class because I didn't like all those adjectives. I was just, like, to the point. And then I found a medium where you had to be to the point because you have, what, 23 minutes? It's yeah. Like, you got, you got 25 it. pages. Yeah. Like, Get to it. I'm like, oh, I can write this. And so then I met my writing partner at NYU. I was going to be an actor, and uh, he was in journalism. So he came to it from the words and I came to it from the meaning and the mm-hmm. character. And we just had this beautiful blend and uh, we just kept writing spec script after spec script. And then one just got a lot of attention and we got, and a, you would just send them into studios everybody or we, that, uh, anyone. Say hello. <laughs> we were like, hey, we read our script. Would you read our script? Would you read our script? <laughs> and I was working at the Vista movie theater as my survival job. And then, Luckily, it happened very fast. I was not even here six months. Mm-hmm. And um, all of a sudden, that pilot season, we got like five offers on shows. It became the flavor of the week. And mm-hmm. and then we got all these offers, and we got, we got on this show, which was not a great show, but it started the career. And then the next big job was Golden Girls. Well, that's and awesome. Season <laughs> one. So that was like when you were there, it was like... That changed everything mm-hmm. you know, because then people, but when we started, no one knew what the show was going to be because it was like a bunch of old ladies. No one's going to watch that. Right. <laughs> and to see it go, and every, it wasn't like now you have a computer and you could see what the ratings were. Yeah. Back then, only the executives knew. So they would come into the table reads on Monday and say, Oh, we were 25. And then it was like, Oh, we're 17. And then we're like, we're nine, and the room would just go like, like what? what's happening here? <laughs> and then you would just see out in the world as the show started, you know, playing, and I would see, like, my grandmother in Michigan would be like, oh, everyone's talking about your show, and <laughs> just get your foot in the door, and I'm like, it's in the door. Uh, <laughs> hanging on my ankle, but it's in the door, and uh, that was a cool thing. And then you'd see the audiences come, and once they started knowing the show, they anticipated mm-hmm. where the laughs would be. So what we call a laugh spread started growing when the actors would literally, you'll see them, they have to like 
almost freeze. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. the laughter mm-hmm. get longer yeah, and longer. Yeah, and find something to look at or to pick up yeah, until it dies down. <laughs> you started knowing the characters, and you're like, going, wow. So we had to keep cutting lines because the laugh spread kept growing and growing and growing, and we only had whatever it was, 23 minutes. Mm-hmm. Now it's probably like, you know, 12 minutes. Right. <laughs> it's all commercials. It really is. <laughs> you have 32 seconds. Yeah, right? so we just kept writing and writing and writing and writing, and I, I, I teach writing now, and it's like writing is rewriting. It just keep, I'm just keep putting out material mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and hoping that people will read it and keep pushing yourself to grow and change in different areas, you know, so... Like, we did no movies, so we wrote a movie script, or we've never written a musical, so we wrote a musical, and just different things that you have Sweet. to kind of, like, keep reinventing yourself, I guess. Is the, I love it. Is the advice I would give, because mm-hmm. uh, you never know. And I kept saying, like, we had one script, we go, well, this is good enough. And someone said, but everyone has, like, stacks or computers filled with scripts. Mm-hmm. Yours has to really stand out. It can't just be, like, good. What is it about your script that's going to grab everyone's eyeballs? Yeah. So that's we kept writing until we got one of those. Well, there you go. go. There you go. Well done. Let's have a little more. Yes. Yeah. Let's crack that open and have a little more. So do you want to get to what you're working on now? Because you you have a new play that's coming out. I do. It's called Have a Good One. And it's opening at the Complex Hollywood. And we run only three weekends, October 1st to 17th. And it's about four young people that work at an Abercrombie type store in the Midwest in a mall in 1999 and it's very funny but it also deals with beauty and body image and i don't know about you guys because you're both so beautiful but (laughs) when i look back at pictures of my youth i was like oh you were so cute and hot but at the time i felt so ugly and Mm. like no one would love me and it's like it made me think why can't we appreciate where Mm -hmm. we are where we are i mean you do a lot of pictures so when you have pictures and you see yourself do you think of yourself as beautiful or sexy? What do you I think? I look We're... at it as though it's someone else. Really? Yeah. I, I try not to see myself in it at all. Is <laughs> that I'm just going to look at anything your, that I don't what like. What you think are flaws. Whatever I think are flaws. Yeah. But if it's someone else, then I can look at the composition of the photo, the lighting, the expression, and I can like it or dislike it without it being personal mm-hmm. towards myself. Because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff. You don't like it. It doesn't mm-hmm. look good. It, you're at the wrong angle. The lighting isn't right. And, you know, you're not going to use that photo. And but... when people say, oh, I really like that picture or that was really hot, mm-hmm. can you accept Oh, then it's that? personal, yes. Can you accept it? <laughs> yes. Then it's all about me. Yes. So are you happy? You go like, yeah, or you go like, you're crazy? or You know, it comes and goes. It's weird. I, 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 I uh, was just talking with this about, about this with someone the other day where... Like, there are times where I do feel extremely confident, and then there are times where I just doubt and question everything that I do. But a lot of that also comes from the fact that I've had, I've been on the web for a long time, and I've done a lot of, you know, photos and photo shoots. And I've literally had people like, ooh, I guess you love yourself, don't you? (laughs) And part of your, you you start to get defensive, and then now my answer is like, "Yeah, yeah, I do. Because that's obviously that's the thing is it took a really long time. And was it something you had to push yourself to do to help you become more comfortable, or is it something you just always felt like? Where does that come from? Oh, I mean, oh, I have. I I, know. Lay down on the couch. Yeah, therapy. (laughs) Yeah, no, I had to do a lot of work on myself. I, I used to do like a lot of drugs. I used to party a lot. I used to try to find myself in other things, validation. 
through others and through being, you know, popular or being, you know, sexy or whatever. And when I took the drugs out of that equation, um, I just had to all I had to fill that in for myself. I couldn't fill those gaps from going out and getting in for free because I know everyone because I'm so cute or whatever. You know, that validation had to come from somewhere else. And yeah, it just took a lot of work to recognize like what I've actually accomplished in my life and the things that I've done and that yeah, I do love myself. I'm a worthy person and as you should. Yes, but that's, that's amazing. But yeah. that's a positive thing you can give people. <laughs> yeah. But isn't it interesting that there's so much shame around that or shame around your mm-hmm. body or shame around feeling oh, good yeah. or feeling good about your yeah. life. That why we were like on the opposite. I just don't take pictures. <laughs> right. Really? Yeah. You don't? <laughs> you literally joke about this all the time. <laughs> Why? There was one week he did selfies for our Instagram and we picked up like 10 followers. <laughs> when I was in Puerto Rico on vacation. <laughs> he was showing off his outfits. He was at the beach. I Why made very like good that? friends with the pina colada lady. Mm-hmm. And that showed. Yeah. <laughs> I just need to drink more apparently. I am very critical of my looks and growing up in a predominantly white environment there were no displays of dark skin black male especially gay beauty it wasn't a thing if there was a black guy who was considered a sex symbol it was an older like Denzel Washington type or whatever anyone younger was usually the light skinned man or the racially ambiguous person it wasn't anyone skinny which is, and I love to see now, there's like so many different mm-hmm. body types and hues of beauty that are uplifted and appreciated now. But yeah, when I was growing up in the 80s and in the 90s, it just wasn't, it just wasn't the case. So it made me very insecure without seeing myself represented. But you can represent now. Think of, think of the, your version. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> I mean, this is also coming from someone who, was, was a model <laughs> and still occasionally you will see his picture on billboards around los angeles which i was pushed into and i didn't and i hated it and not feel comfortable doing <laughs> i'm just my own worst critic is what it is at the end of the day yeah. and where does that come from just me literally being a perfectionist within myself and you can't be a perfectionist when it comes to your looks because that's just what you have unless you're going to do a bunch of altering which i'm not about to do a lot Stan, where do you think you learn to stop listening to that inner voice and create a new one for yourself? I think today with the two of you. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I mean, you're always a work in progress. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think I learned, you know, being bullied as a kid and just finding. I mean, my writing partner helped me a lot with. just appreciating where we are. And that goes back to my play is why we call it have a good one. Appreciating where you are today. And you can't change where you are today. So love it and enjoy it and mm-hmm. embrace it. So that's been a quest. And then also, I don't know where I got this concept of taking fear off the table. Mm-hmm. Because uh, back in the day before Marianne Williamson was a presidential candidate... <laughs> She was just down the street doing <laughs> lectures and it was like a big handing thing. out crystals. Yeah. <laughs> it was a big thing for gays and our allies. And we all would go hear her talk when she mm-hmm. was just starting out. And then we would have these dinners with wine and talk about it. But she talked about you have two choices in life love or fear. 
which is pretty. I'm like, I never thought about that. It's like, I'm gonna pick love. Like, why would I always go towards mm-hmm. fear? I mean, I'm like, pretty sure that's from Donnie Darko, but yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> she did bring I'm that done. up, but I think she said "Course in Miracle," but maybe I misunderstood. <laughs> and it was Donnie Darko. And so when I when I realized that, and that I could sweep the fear mm-hmm. off and just be about love and accepting, it changed everything. And especially when like you're writing for television, um, a very famous. Tony award-winning actress was like, how do you do this every week? And I would be so scared. And it's like, because I know at the end of the day, we're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And it saves so much time to not get stuck in that mm-hmm. negativity like that. and the worry. And it's like, wow. And so now I know every script that my writing partner and I start it may go through some messy things, but we're going to figure it out. We've done it enough. We got this. Mm-hmm. And I go into every project, which is love, and it's going to be figuring it out. We're yeah. going to figure it out. And then I do. And you do. I mean, you, you think about it. Like That's when an I excellent advice. find myself on the ledge, like out on the limb, I'm like, well, wait a minute. Actually, this is something my best friend used to say. But we used to go on all these trips and all the stuff. And we would do like, let's go zip lining or let's go like horseback riding. And every time we would go somewhere, I would start to get, you know, apprehensive. Be like, we haven't died yet. <laughs> and that's yeah, sort of right. like nothing has killed us yet. Like we've gotten this far, we've gotten mm. through it, and everything has been just fine. Yeah. So yeah, that's a really good way to look at it. Yeah. So that's how I do, and also I think because uh, I also uh, coach actors, and I think we get in trouble if we live in the past or the future. And really, if you just think of every day today, like mm-hmm. today, this moment, even if there's things come up, you're going to learn from them. You're going to be stronger. You're going to be a better person. So. That kind of shifted because I came out here from New York and I thought, oh, I had to be jaded and sarcastic and, all that <laughs> stuff and make fun of people. And I can still do all of that. Yeah, that's yeah. what I do with love. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. Um, and I, I thought I was going to lose my sense of humor if I became spiritual. And I was like, nope, that's not what happened at all. And actually, <laughs> it grew mm-hmm. even yeah. stronger. And, well, yeah. well, kind of touching on uh, what don had asked earlier is i know uh so many people are creative and creating their own content i know it's a different world now you can be on tiktok and steal someone's dances and then be on a netflix show but <laughs> don't give me sorry about that. <laughs> to oh. as is someone who is successful you've obviously written for a long time you do your coaching you have can you sort of give an overview of someone who's wanting to live just creatively right yeah. they don't want to have that backup job or that day job well sometimes you have to have that job <laughs> you have to i mean we have, we've all done it i did it at a movie yeah. theater until i was you know but i kept had the day job and wrote mm-hmm. all the time at night and i kept pushing both of them but also in not hating the day job and loving it making work family mm-hmm. and and you know i worked at the movie theater so what did i do we got movie passes to every movie so all those movies are now in my head and mm-hmm. are a library utilize so, what you're yes yeah. so um but just loving where you are and appreciating where you are even if it's like oh i don't want this job you mm-hmm. but this you're never going to be here again you're only going to be here once and then suddenly you're going to have your first big job and then mm-hmm. you know appreciate where that is and don't start living again living in the future yeah and i, I always say like don't keep thinking like if I have this, I would be happy. Mm-hmm. Figure out how to be happy here today, now. Absolutely. And so that's how I 
give advice. I know. I think that's great advice. Yeah, I just I think a lot of people, especially outside of it, is they think like, oh, I'm gonna write this one movie script and then I'll be famous and rich because they're and thinking then I'll... of this will create this will get that. Mm-hmm. And they're already at that being famous. I'm like, just think about just writing it. And how yeah. fun that's gonna be, and you can be mm-hmm. creative. Don't think of where you're gonna. Oh, if I do this, I'll get that. Just in the process because you're only going to be at that time mm-hmm. once in your life. Well, and you could also sell that script and it could be made into a movie and then what? Right? So if you're not happy with where you're at, if you're not constantly working like you're saying, it, it, then once you've attained that thing that you thought was going to give you all the stuff... And yes, then <laughs> results are oriented. Well, I have like writer friends that like they'll sell a pilot and I go, that's so exciting. They go, yeah, but it's never going to go and the odds are... I'm like, Wait a minute, you just sold it today. <laughs> You're already on to it's never going to go? Right. Where's the pop the champagne and like live and be happy? And like, you don't know what's going to yeah. happen. Nobody knows anything. That's the fun of getting up every morning. It's like, what's going to happen today? Did I think I'd be sitting in bed with two beautiful men? Like, I, <laughs> I hoped, but I didn't. You know, I had no idea. With no heat, I mean, yeah, no air conditioning. I know. There you go. And but I'm losing like five pounds for every minute. It looks so, like yes. a Britney Spears video in here right now, guys. Yeah, so, which yeah, is why we're yes. not doing video. <laughs> that is true, and that will that will actually lead us to the end. I of know our because very people are going to want to know details, and we're just going to yes. keep it. I don't know. You probably have a big mouth, right? <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> well, we thank you all for listening and for subscribing to our Patreon. You can always find exclusive content on our Patreon, as you know, because you're listening to it right now. Thank you, and until next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.